Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Epistle of James and chapter 1 is a fascinating writing. It's filled with a number of different teachings, it would seem, and sometimes it seems like they're separated. This verse through this verse is about this, and the next passage is about another subject. The reality is it's all one teaching. It's all one writing that's connected based on very real things that were going on in the church that he was writing to, this letter to the Christians of that time. For example, last week we had the epistle reading at the beginning of the first chapter of the epistle of James, and we heard this teaching come from James, and Deacon Peter preached on this. Be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath, or slow to anger. There's a focus there on governing our mouths and governing our emotions toward one another in relationships. You heard that teaching. And then today, beginning in verse 22 of the epistle of St. James, we hear a very popular teaching that we've heard many times before. When St. James teaches, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. We've heard that many times. And on the surface, that teaching makes sense. Don't just listen to the words of Christ. Don't just listen to the words that he gives and teaches through his holy church. That it's not enough to hear. We have to then impart it into our lives. And that's very true. But he even gets more specific to help us understand why this is so important. And the meaning behind what does it mean? Not just to be a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word when he teaches this. He says, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes his way, but immediately forgets what kind of man he is. Picture that. Picture yourself going before a mirror. You see very clearly your image and you walk away forgetting what you look like. That's the image that he's given. And the church fathers in unison about this tell us this. That when he says that one who is a hearer only and not a doer is like a man that goes before a mirror and sees his natural face. The natural face that the fathers teach us that we see in this blessed mirror is our true self recreated in Christ, recreated in the image of the second Adam. In other words, the humanity that we were created to be in the beginning. Because when we were created, we were created in his image to grow into his likeness. And so in St. James, to be a hearer of the word. Well, what's the word? It's not a what, it's a who. Jesus Christ, the person, the word of God, to be a hearer of the person of Jesus Christ is to look into the mirror and see him, which means to look into the mirror and to see your true self by his finished work. You have been baptized, put to death with all of the deeds of the flesh and the results of the fall and brought to life as you come out of those waters into his resurrection Filled with the Holy Spirit of God. You're a new creation. And that is the image that we see. 
And what he's saying is all about absolute communion and fellowship that is available to us now because of Jesus Christ with our God. You see, when we fellowship with God, when we fellowship with God here corporately in the Mass, when we fellowship with God in the corporate prayers of the church, when we fellowship with God in the hours of prayer, the reading of Holy Scripture and the Fathers, we hear Him. We are hearers of the Word of God, which means He is ever revealing Himself to us. We are receiving that revelation, looking into that blessed mirror in that precious fellowship. But what St. James is saying, to depart that and to go our own way and live however we want to live, denying the revelation we've been given, denying the teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ that we have been given, we're like a person that looked into that blessed mirror and saw our true self, and we walk away and we immediately forget who we are in Jesus Christ. And that's the word that is being given here. In fact, St. Paul uses the exact same language of looking into a mirror in 2 Corinthians in chapter 3 when he taught, But we all, the church, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into that same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. And it's like Moses. This is what St. Paul's referring to on Mount Sinai. When Moses went up to receive the word of God, to receive from God the law. As he was receiving that, remember what happened to him when he was going back down? He was face to face there with God, so to speak, receiving the word of God. And when he left there, his face shone with what? The glory of the God who he was beholding. So much so that it scared the people and he had to douse his face with the veil. That's why St. Paul says we with unveiled faces looking into a mirror see this. And it is to impart itself upon us and within us. And we are to be by the Holy Spirit transformed by it. But then I find something interesting. St. James starts talking about taming that blessed tongue that we have and taming our emotions. And then he goes to this mirror picture. Be doers of the word, not hearers only. Guess what he returns to again? The tongue. Because in the very next verse, St. James says this, and you heard it chanted. If anyone among you thinks he is religious, and by the word, that word religious in the Greek, it means if anyone thinks he is a fearer of God who worships God, who declares the worth of God in their very life. If any of you think you are religious and does not bridle his tongue, this one's religion is nothing. There's an obvious problem going on in the church, isn't there? I know that never happens anymore in the church, but there was back then when he was writing. There's a problem. And the tongue was causing dissensions and a lack of peace. And I started thinking to myself when I look at that, when is it that we, when is it that we tend to really lose our self-control the most over the blessed tongue? And I think I've come up with a number of things, at least in my own life, you may identify with this, is that we truly tend to lose self-control over our tongue when we have been emotion in times, when we have been emotionally worn thin. 
worn thin by things that have happened in our lives, the suffering that life tends to bring can impact us and bring us to an emotional thinness to where we lose the filter. Perhaps it's under times where we're being persecuted, offended. Maybe it's times when we're just simply absolutely physically weary. I find in those times that blessed filter of the Holy Spirit gets more and more ignored and becomes more and more thin, at least in my life. And out comes words I would never say. And perhaps even in ways I'd never say them. And my friends, I look around at our parish right now. And I want to tell you that I look at so many incredible blessings over these last couple of years that are innumerable of all that God is doing both with our cooperation and sometimes despite us. He's doing some phenomenal things. But our parish has also undergone incredible suffering. We have suffered. Many people have suffered and we have suffered. I have suffered with them. Some things we were never, were never imaginable and we have walked through that together. And we have had some incredible responsibilities thrust on us this year. Two, para, two conferences to host a Western Rite conference and now in the throes of all the busyness and the burden of hosting a blessed five-state parish life conference of this diocese. We have been through, I have been through, you have been through an awful lot. And I'm going to tell you that when it comes to weariness and when it comes to thinness, I am chief among you. After Holy Week, like a ton of bricks these last two years caught up with me, and I didn't even realize it at first. And I had no idea the toll that all of this had taken on me physically and emotionally and even spiritually, because we get worn down in all of those things. And I'm going to confess to you as your priest that after Holy Week, this priest let down his guard. <coughs> I was weary, my prayer life suffered, and when my prayer life suffers, just as yours, when my prayer life suffers, everything else looks worse. Everything else looks bigger than it really is. Every mountain looks more unclimbable rather than to have victory by reaching the top. And I was in that very situation and have been until this week. And I've looked around this parish and I've seen quite a few very weary people. And all of our collective behaviors from time to time have, said, have not been our normal behaviors at times. I needed a wake-up call. I didn't even know it. I needed a wake-up call. I needed a splash of cold water in my face. And I got it on this, this Tuesday. And our Lord did it in a very interesting way, but a very specific way. On Tuesday, Ryan Jawad was out walking between the church and the church parking lot, and he saw a fairly decent-sized snake. So Ryan did the absolutely perfect thing. He went to the strong person capable of handling that very situation. That's right, my friends. He went to the church secretary. <laughs> and I saw the church secretary get her weapon of serpent destruction, the garden hose. And she went out through the garth and went over onto the path, but the snake wasn't there. While not being watched, 
Ryan had gone to get Annie. While not being watched, the snake had actually snuck its way into our garden of peace. Now, why do I call it a garden of peace? Because I can't tell you, I know you've experienced this, many of you, but so many people outside of our church come into that garden. And they will testify to me that they don't experience the peace of God in other places like they do there. And that blesses me every time I hear it. But the snake, while not being watched, had gotten into that very garden of peace. That thought stayed with me the rest of that day. I dreamed about it that night and woke up again thinking about it. And I knew exactly what our Lord was talking to me about, at least. And what to share with you. You see, in St. James chapter 1, at the very beginning, remember, he starts off about taming the tongue and taming our emotions, getting in control of our emotions. And then you hear something else at the end of that about bridling our tongue and getting it in self-control. Why is it that he is mentioning this so strongly? Because the power of the tongue is immense. With the tongue we bless, and with the tongue we can curse. We have been granted the very authority of our Lord Jesus Christ with our very word, which is His very word, to resist Satan. And Scripture says Satan must what? Flee. With our mouth, we have been given the authority as Christ's church Filled with him, he has shared his authority to overcome that which comes against us, to resist him and he must flee. But also with that same tongue. And I'm pretty sure the church in that day that St. James was writing to, with that tongue, they were opening the door, opening the gate for the serpent to come into the garden of peace. And there were disruptions that were being caused inside the faithful. The tongue and the power of the tongue is immense. And St. James, this blessed apostle, is pleading with us even today. That in our thinness, in our weariness, when we are the most tired. That we tame that tongue and pay attention to it for the protection of peace. The peace that Christ offers. Not a peace that says there's never any suffering. But the peace Christ offers is infinite peace in the midst of it, in the midst of our suffering. And you know, last night, when I kept considering the, uh, the snake that got into the garden, last night we had Ephesians 6 from St. Paul, who reminds us of spiritual warfare. He says, put on the full armor of God, but he reminds us of something very important about spiritual warfare. He says, our battle, our fight is not with flesh our fight is with Satan and the demonic principalities of this world. And that we as Christians are to take up our armor, the God-given grace and authority that we have been given. And to take our stand collectively supporting one another against the wiles of an enemy. You know, one of the things that the Orthodox Church teaches us is the greatest part of spiritual warfare. It's not so much any action on our part. The greatest part of our spiritual warfare is remaining in Christ Jesus, who is our stronghold. And that
now we're back to what St. James says. When he talks about that blessed fellowship of our standing in front of the mirror, the mirror being Christ. I am encouraging you and our Lord is encouraging all of us to get back to the blessed fellowship that he offers with himself. Again, collectively in the mass and the prayer services and individually and as families in your homes. To be with Christ in communion and in the Holy Scriptures and the reading of the church fathers so that we understand him clearly. So that we're constantly receiving from the fellowship with Christ his words, his direction. And so that we, all of us collectively, then go from there to engage life not forgetting our true self. And we watch over one another in love through prayer. So that the peace of Christ may abound among us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. <coughs>